particular anointing upon those listen and those that hear. Lord, we pray your blessing upon each and every one of us in Jesus' magnificent name. And everyone said, Amen. Can I ask that we say good morning to Zoomers on the count of three? One, two, three. Morning, Zoomers. Praise God. Hallelujah. We can carry on with our study uh, in, in uh, Peter. And uh, we're going to be looking again at Second Peter chapter 1. And uh, this is the fourth part uh, of the study. And uh, we may try and speed it up a little bit. But uh, I just want to draw your attention before we get carried away and speed it up. We're going to just look at a couple of words here that are extremely significant. And so I want to draw your attention to Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. What a powerful, powerful scripture this is. Hallelujah. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. Whereby given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord add blessing to you. Really. Isn't it glorious to think that God wants us to come through every single one of us, that we would never fall, that we're going to come to this place of real blessing, and uh, uh, we can know that we're going to be in God's presence. We'll hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. You know, as I was studying, uh, I became aware of a couple of things. And I thought I thought I'd just mention this uh, in passing uh, because it's quite interesting. The book was written uh, a year or two before Peter's death, around about uh, plus minus sixty five A.D., just before he was martyred. And uh, I, this is just a little sideline, uh, but I thought it was worthy of mention. Uh, uh, it was written during the time of Nero's persecution of Christians. And um, we know that uh, Peter was was crucified upside down because he wasn't uh, didn't feel worthy to be to share in the same death that Jesus has. Most of us know that, but uh, fewer people know that uh, alongside him, his wife was also crucified. She's a forgotten martyr, a hero of the faith that really rightly deserves. Uh, to to be honoured and uh, and to be lifted up amongst the martyrs because she would rather die than compromise. 
And uh, so really uh, an unknown hero of the faith. We know that, that Peter was married. Because remember one of the first miracles that Jesus did was the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. So, uh, so we know that uh, Peter was married and, and his wife actually gave her life as a martyr alongside that of her husband. Man, that's courageous. Man, that's the kind of people that we need to be. Amen. We need a revelation of God that is so powerful and so deep that, that we would give, that nothing in the world could deter us. Can you say amen? So last time, we, as we were looking through, we, we ended with the thought that, that grace and peace could be multiplied unto us. And man, what, what incredible uh, things those are. We, we read them at the, the entrance uh, of every uh, epistle to the churches. But it is so rich and so powerful, isn't it, that uh, we see that God's uh, grace and blessing uh, are multiplied. And grace is God's undeserved favor, God's blessing. Uh, we saw that it was also an empowerment and a force, an ability to make us uh, walk in victory. Grace is also the power that leads to godliness and to eternal life. And so we look at these things, and uh, we, we looked also at the fact that on top of all this blessing that God gives to us, he gives us peace. And we looked at that, that word peace, it's the Greek word arena, and it's much like the Hebrew word shalom in that it, it means so much more than just peace. Um, and it, it does mean quietness and rest and peace. It has all those connotations, but much more than that, uh, it literally means, if you look it up in, in the Greek, it means to prosper. And so when, when you understand the word prosper is to, to succeed and to flourish and to grow strong. I believe that this is in the heart of God, for every believer to succeed, flourish, and grow strong in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? amen? So this is what God wants to multiply in our life. His grace, his undeserved favor and blessing, and his peace. Where, where we are uh, in quietness and rest and that nothing disturbs us. No matter what we see going on in the world or the church, we can rest in God's peace and joy. So what, what God is saying to us uh, is this in this passage. As you serve me, your life will flourish and prosper. How many would say amen? amen? As you serve me, your life will flourish and prosper in everywhere. Grace, peace, and prosperity will be increased more and more in your life. Man, I just love serving Jesus. You know, you, you know I'd serve Jesus for nothing if it, because it's everything to me, serving the Lord. It just gets richer and better and more wonderful. The more I surrender to God, the more glorious God becomes in my life. And this is what Peter is saying. The more you get to know me, the better life becomes. And I can say, yes, amen. I can testify to that. Dr. Piper says that, uh, you know, we don't just study the scriptures for their own sake. He says we study them because they reveal to us the knowledge of God. You want to get to know God in a deep personal intimate You cannot do it without reading the Bible. Your Bible reading is one of the most important things to do in, in your spiritual growth and development. And so he says, you know, we read our Bible because it reveals the knowledge of God to us. And through that, grace and peace are multiplied in your hearts, in your church, and in, in the world round about. It's one of the, the really important reasons why we do that. And that really is the essence of eternal life. I want to just speak to you just for a second about eternal life. We've, we've looked at this before, but it's worthy of a repeat. Eternal life is just not life unending. Can you say amen? It is that, but it's so much more. It's so much richer. It's so much more glorious. It's blessed. 
It includes all of salvation. So we save from hell, we save from judgment, and we are saved from the tribulation. That is wonderful news. Amen. That's glorious. He says, we're saved from sin, from guilt, shame, and condemnation. We're saved from the power of sin. We are forgiven and declared righteous. We are healed, body, soul, and spirit of every kind of sickness and disease. We delivered from every kind of bondage. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are set free. We are prosperous. We are protected and we are being perfected. We are more than conquerors. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. We're anointed and empowered. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's saying nothing about adoption, sanctification, justification, and all the, the, the wonderful works of redemption. What a glorious salvation we have. Amen. This is eternal. I, when I look at that, I think, God, your heart towards us is incredible. This is the glory of the new birth. And eternal life is all that God has provided through grace. It is not dependent upon your performance. It's done through grace. God loves us even when we mess up. Can I have an amen? amen. God loves us even when we mess up. This is the glory of the new birth. I like what Driscoll has to say. He says, most religions and some uh, form or another uh, share these basic concepts that there is a God and that there is us. Uh, God is in heaven and we are on earth. God is holy. We are unholy. Uh, God is perfect. We are imperfect. Uh, God is without flaw. We have many flaws, faults, and failings. Um, they'll use different language to describe this, uh, but the general concepts are there in most religions. So most religions share these big ideas. So the question now becomes, how do we bridge the gap between God and ourselves? Most religions will tell you that you need to do works. The, the works are what you have to do to draw closer. You have to do something to climb the ladder of spiritual maturity and uh, spirituality and morality. You've got to do these works. You sort of earn your way up into God's presence. And it's a, a relationship based on works. Christianity is different. Christianity is very different. Christianity teaches us that God has given to us a gift. And what a gift it is. God comes down. We don't go up. God does all the work. We don't do any of it. Hallelujah. That's the glorious truth. God gives us his righteousness as a gift. This is the difference between most of the world's religions and Christianity. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 21, for it made him, speaking about Jesus, uh, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Just let that sink into your spirit, that the Father made Jesus our sin offering. He made him to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay, the only place you get righteousness is from God. Any place you get righteousness is from Jesus, Jesus Christ. He is God. And he says that you receive this righteousness, this right standing. That's what righteousness means, to be standing correctly before the Lord. Where, uh, God doesn't have anything between us. We don't have anything between God. We, we are in right standing with God. This is what this gift of righteousness offers unto us. And he says, this is a gift 
Some translations will say that you have received the gift of uh, righteousness or you've been given the gift of righteousness. Um, again, I, I, I think this is kind of an interesting way to look at it. You know, Some people say that we are saved by grace and not by works. And I, I, I agree with that statement, but I also agree that there's an interesting uh, way that you could look at this differently. And again, Driscoll says this, uh, the truth is we are saved by works. Mm-hmm. But he, <laughs> the works of Jesus. Amen. It's not. Uh, it's just that Jesus does all the work. Jesus does all the work, and uh, you know he he becomes a man. He walks amongst us, and uh, you know God God lives amongst us without sin. God dies in our place for our sins. God conquers death, rises from the dead to take away our sins. Jesus is doing all the work. God only not only forgives us, but He gives us God's righteousness. All the work is done by Jesus. He does all the work. We receive all the benefits. Man, Martin Luther calls this the great exchange. Martin Luther is a great reformer uh, in, in, the, in the Protestant movement. He said this is the great exchange. And what an exchange it is. Look at it again, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin, the spotless, perfect, perfect uh, representation of God was Jesus. And he made Jesus who was righteous, who knew no sin, to become sin, to become unrighteous, so that in him we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Does God have any accusation to bring against Jesus? None. If we have Jesus' righteousness, is there any accusation that can be brought against us? None. We are made perfect. We are made pure. We're perfected by this awesome work of grace. And it has nothing to do with what we've done. It's a matter of grace. Jesus, who is righteous as new nurse and became sin, became unrighteous, so that in him we might become the righteousness. What a gift. What an incredible exchange Jesus does for us. So what does that mean practically? It means our relationship with God is much like anything else in life. You know, you'd say, when you were at school, I know that's a long time back for some of you to remember, um, but uh, uh, your performance <laughs> your performance ter- determined your grades. If you worked hard, you did well. You know, But when, when we stand before God, Jesus Christ is our report card. That's what righteousness means. He said, hey, it's not, it's not what you've done. It's what I've done. I'm your report card. When you go for a job interview, you present them your resume. It's what I've done, what I've accomplished. This is what I can do. When we stand before God, Jesus is our resume. He says, hey, I've done it all. They've declared righteous. They are holy. They are separated unto me. They are forgiven. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So. It's ultimately all about Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus does. The only question becomes is, have you received Jesus' gift of righteousness? Have you received his gift of salvation? Now, some people will say, well, that's just too easy, you know. It's, uh, we don't do anything and we, and we get saved, you know. In actual fact, I'd say it's quite hard. And, and you see why people don't want to uh, uh, become Christians, because that means they have to act in humility. They've got to recognize that they, they're wrong. And that can be quite difficult, you know. It's like um, 
coming to realize that I'm the problem, not the solution. You know, that can be pretty humbling. I'm bad. God's good. You know, how do I actually deal with this? I have a God-sized problem because I cannot fix this. Therefore, uh, God says, uh, do you realize where humility comes into this? It's not easy to admit that you're the problem. Amen? Amen. It's not easy to recognize that you're the problem. People <laughs> often say, you know, well, let me contribute something. Let me do a little bit of something. God says in your salvation, no, not at all. Nothing. Not, you don't get to work for your salvation. It is a free gift. 100% God's justification of your life. God looks at you and sees the perfection of Christ in you. He looks at you perfect. Will you tell the person next to you, I'm perfect in Christ? I'm perfect in Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is what God's done. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So we don't get to work on our salvation. It is a free gift, 100% free gift. Oh, folks, you can work on other projects, but not your salvation. You can work on your sanctification. You can become a per better person by doing good works, but not for your salvation. You can feed the poor, heal the sick, teach the uninformed, love people, work on your prayer life and, and your, your sanctification. These are all things you can work on, but you cannot work on the fact that God has made you righteous. You are righteous. No matter what you've done, God says, I have declared you righteous. And when you stand before him, Jesus is your resume. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. And again, we're looking at this. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Oh, God just wants to do so much more. Are you ready for more of God in your life? God wants to bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. That's the heart of God. He wants you to have more. Look what he says. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The more we know, the more we experience, the more wonderful life becomes. Isn't that your testimony it, it, since you've been saved? How many would go back to the world? None. Because we have found that life has got more glorious, more wonderful. It's got better and better serving the Lord. Amen. The more you know, the better life becomes. Okay. Amen. Absolutely. So it will help us to understand. And this is where we're going to uh, spend a little bit of time this morning. There are two Greek words for knowledge. And they're both used in our text today. Uh, the, the first one is epignosis. And epignosis actually means, uh, the root of it means to discern or to perceive. Uh, if, if you wanted one word, you'd, you'd say it's ethereal. It's, it's not tangible. It's very, um, very, uh, very different kind of knowledge to the other word of gnosis. Gnosis means uh, to study. It means uh, the, the knowledge uh, of the academic pursuit, the study of books. Uh, it's like the, the knowledge of science. That's gnosis. So one is a, a practical, hard-working product, and the other is a perceived or a, a, um, a discerned kind of knowledge. You discern what God wants us to do. One commentator said, epignosis is an experiential knowledge. It's different from gaining information from books. Uh, you are learning by doing, learning by experience. 
perhaps we could illustrate it this way. Um, you could buy a politician's memoirs. I don't know why you'd want to do that. <laughs> but if you did, okay. <laughs> You, you could learn a lot from these guys. You could learn, you know, when, when they were born, where they were born, what their education was, you know, what they studied in university, what they've done since they've been. You could study. You could get a lot of information about them. This is the Greek word gnosis. You're studying their life. And uh, the, the heart of this is uh, it's just information. Okay, it's cerebral. You you can know these facts about them, but they you can take it or leave it. You, they, they may or may not impact your life one way or, or another. The other way is you can say that's nothing. I know this politician personally. You know he comes over regularly to my house for dinner. He you know we uh, he brings his kids over to play. We have long talks by the fireside. You know have, he bounces ideas off me. I know him well. I know him intimately. This is epignosis. This is a discerned knowledge that comes not through the study of books or material. Okay, it's a revealed knowledge. It's ethereal. It's perceived or discerned. You understand this person uh, not through the study. Of books. It's a knowledge revealed by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So what's that saying? God is noble. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna look at this in, in, in some detail. So this is epignosis, a deep personal and intimate knowledge that doesn't come through study. Now God is trying to reveal himself. The best way I can explain this word epignosis is uh, when, when Christians want to say uh, that God spoke to them, they'll often say this phrase you've heard at time and time. In fact, we heard it today. When he said, I, I just know that I know that I know. I just know it. And what that is, it's a discernment that is born by the Holy Spirit. And that's really the definition of epignosis. It's this discerned knowledge that doesn't come through study. So God is trying to reveal knowledge to us through discernment. And through, the, uh, through this word, epignosis. So, it's revealed knowledge. It's perceived or discerned knowledge. It's a knowledge really that's received, revealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this. It makes God knowable. It makes God knowable. God is revealing himself to us. We so often... Get, we want to get to know God. God says, hey, just take a minute. See what I'm doing for you. See what I want to reveal to you. The Holy Spirit is working in us to reveal a deep and intimate knowledge of the Father in us. The Lord is drawing close to us. Why? Because he wants us. We often fail to realize this. That God wants to know us. He wants a deep personal and intimate way of fellowship and communion. The Holy Spirit is ministering to us. We often strive to get to know the Lord. So I, I really want to get to know, know the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with that. Do you remember Paul in, in Philippians 3.10, he said, uh, you know, his greatest desire was that, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So Paul wanted to know God. And, and, and that's totally legitimate. In fact, Daniel 11.32, a verse you know very well, says, But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Yes. Hallelujah. How many believe we're going to be doing exploits in this church by the power of the Holy Spirit? Oh, yes. Amen. 
I believe that God is going to break forth in our heart and in our midst and in our lives. So he says, but the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That, that word know here in, in Daniel 11.32 is the word yada. And it's really interesting. It's not just knowing about God. It's this deep personal intimate knowledge. Because that word yada, to know the Lord, is found in, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, where it says that Adam uh, knew his wife and she conceived. So it, it's it's really talking about the most personal, the most the deepest uh, intimate knowledge that you could know. So this deep personal knowledge. It's speaking about the closest fellowship that two people can share, this cherished relationship. It's impactful knowledge when you realize that God is trying to reveal himself and become one with us. God wants to be one with us. Can you say amen? He wants a connectedness. He's talking about a blessed union where he's revealing himself through us by epignosis, this knowledge that he wants to impart unto every believer. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, But he that is joined to the Lord. How many are joined to the Lord? Can you say amen? amen? Those that are joined to the Lord are one spirit. One spirit. He that are joined unto the Lord is one spirit is what it actually says. So we become so close to the Lord, so intimate with the Lord, that we become inseparable. There is a walk with God where we get closer and closer to the Lord, where we become inseparable with God, when God starts to speak into our lives. That's why I think you, you see these great men of God. They've learned to receive this epignosis, this knowledge that is discerned and disseminated by the Holy Spirit. They spend time in God's presence. So, one with God. This is what God is offering to us, a deep, intimate, and personal knowledge of himself. That is an incredible, it's a crazy offer that we could really get to know God in this deep, personal. The Lord is lovingly pursuing us, and he wants to get to know us. He wants to reveal more of himself to you and I. So here is the Lord drawing close to us. Think about that. God is reaching out on a daily basis, trying to, to draw us into his presence so that he can reveal to us how we can walk in victory, how we can uh, understand his righteousness, how we can be free of guilt and condemnation, how we can walk in victory. God is trying to do this in our lives in a constant way. So here's the Lord drawing close to us. He reveals himself. As the lover of our souls. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3 says. Yea I have loved thee. With an everlasting love. When you were created. Before the foundation of the world. God had you in mind. And God was fascinated by you. He loves you. The world has used you. And abused you. And done all sorts of terrible things to you. But I want to tell you. God has loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, the Bible says he's drawn us unto him. No man comes unto the Father unless you've been drawn. And the Holy Spirit is drawing us deeper into him. So what's he saying? God is our comforter. He's our confident. He's our friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's our provider, our savior, our healer, our deliverer, our guardian, our guide. Oh, God is wonderful. Can you say amen? 
You see, the Holy Spirit is wooing us. He is courting us and inviting us to go deeper into the things of God. We get as close to God as we want to get. Think about, this is not my notes, but just come to me now. Think about the disciples, you know. There were the 120 in the upper room. You know, then, then there were the 12, then there were the three, and then there, there was the disciple who laid his head on Jesus' heart. How close do you want to be? God is wooing us and he's drawing us and he's saying, come closer, I have more for you. I want to show you my love. I want to show you my acceptance. You are special. You are wonderful. I'm wooing you and I'm courting you. The Holy Spirit is trying to reveal the Lord to us. McGee says uh, that uh, epignosis is like a super knowledge. It's the knowledge that comes by the Holy Spirit, taking the things that are Christ's and making them real to us. God is pursuing us in a wonderful, loving way to reveal his goodness to us. Wow, Lord. Listen to it. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge the more you get to know what God's heart, the more you get to know how much he loves you, how much he's crazy about you, and how he wants to heal your life and bring blessing into your life, the closer you want to come. The Holy Spirit is wooing us, and he is courting us into a deeper relationship with him. Remember grace, grace and peace be multiplied. Grace is undeserved favor. It's the blessing of God. It's where we get everything for nothing, even though we don't deserve anything. That's what grace is. It's the goodness of God, and it's headed our way. Hallelujah. Are you excited about that? It's coming to us through this knowledge, through this epignosis that God wants to reveal to us how good he is, how wonderful he is, how great he is. The goodness of God is on our way. We have more grace and more peace. And boy, do we need that in our world today. The peace of God. You know, that's what he's promising to us. The Shalom Alechem. May God's peace remain with you. May peace remain with you. Grace and peace are being multiplied. They increase more and more in your life. The better you get to know God. Put it this way. When you are stressed and you think, how on earth am I going to pay this? When you know that God loves you, when you know that God is faithful, when you know that God will provide, how many of you know that takes all the sting out of the pressure? Thank you. I thank you for that one. Yes. <laughs> I love you. The rest of you need to know that. <laughs> I love you. So it becomes really important that we see that God is trying to woo us and draw us into a deeper relationship. Your whole world is changed and impacted by this epignosis, this glorious knowledge. Listen, God's desire is recorded in Colossians 2, uh, verses 2 and 3. And I want to read it to you because it, it's really quite something. Okay, God's desire is that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, unto all the riches of full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal that to us in a way that it's not just 
here, but it's here. You know, they say the longest journey is from the head to the heart. When you begin to understand what God, uh, the way he feels about you in the heart, it's, it's revolutionary. So the Holy Spirit wants to reveal this to us. If only we will take time to listen. If only we would take time to sit in his presence and hear the, the, the whispered epignosis, that perceived wisdom that God wants to plant in your heart to change and revolutionize your life. So the Holy Spirit is wanting to minister the Father to us. Let the Father minister to us. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He knows what you don't. He knows. He has a knowledge that he wants to share with you. You know, he wants to reveal things to you. Uh, I've shared this with some of you before, but uh, it, it really makes the point. I was about to go and minister in another town. Uh, this was years ago. And I was driving down the road. It's about 100 kilometers to the next town. And I'm just driving down the road, and I'm worshiping the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm on my way to a meeting, and the presence of God just, just fills the car, and I'm I'm so enjoying the presence of the Lord. It's just, it was oh, thank you, Lord. And I'm just worshiping the Lord, and God speaks in the middle of this time. It's like pull off the road. Oh, that's, that's weird. Carried on driving, and I'm worshiping God. And a couple of minutes ago, and I'm worshiping God, and again, this voice says to me, pull off the road. <laughs> This is just me. Why? Why? why you know why? So I, I carry on, and the third time, some of us are dense. You know, some <laughs> some of us really. You know, the third time, God says, "Pull off the road now." Okay, look, there's a there's a, a, a layby a hundred yards in front of me. I pull into the layby, and as my car is coming to a stop, I haven't even actually come to a stop. Uh, two buses come racing around the corner together. They were trying to overtake one another on a blind corner. There is a cliff face that's 10 times as high as that, and and the road's here, and there's a valley floor that's probably 10 times lower down, far, far, and there's just this two-lane road and both buses. If I had not listened to the Holy Spirit, if that revealed knowledge didn't impact my life and I didn't pull off the road, I would have been killed. I would have been dead. But the Holy Spirit was was causing me to perceive, to understand a knowledge that I couldn't have any way of, of knowing. You know, I just I simply obeyed what the Holy Spirit said. I said, okay, Lord, I didn't know why I was doing it until the, I wasn't even stopped when these two buses came around the corner. Perceive knowledge. Epignosis. God knows things that we don't. And if we just wait on him, if we will just spend time in his presence, he will renew and revive us. Why? Because the treasures of wisdom are hidden in God. And he wants to reveal those things. I had no way of knowing it. God spoke to me. He revealed that to me. And he spared my life. As we bring this to a close, just think of this. They that wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. They that wait. That's the key thing. Waiting. Waiting on God. God has things to reveal to you and I that will blow our minds. 
God has things in store for us. The treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in God, and he wants to reveal them to us. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the refreshing and the blessing of getting to know God. Epignosis, the Holy Spirit revealing the true riches and treasures of Christ to us. God has so blessed and enriched our lives in every way. Can you say amen? We need just to take time. Our quiet times are sometimes, they're the most precious times in our entire walk. Uh, the thing, you know, we need to make God our first appointment every day yeah. because our very next appointment is with the devil. Yeah. You know, and if you wait upon the Lord and receive that perceived knowledge, God will show you how to overcome the devil. So God has blessed us and enriched our life in every way. The longer I serve the Lord, the more wonderful it becomes. The more precious God is to me. Can you say amen? amen. I'm so glad I was saved. I'm so glad. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. And perhaps we could just wait. Just a short, short time to realize that God is wooing us. He is He is uh, trying to draw us into a deeper relationship. He's courting us. He's courting us this morning. God wants to speak into your life. God wants to speak to you something that's personal and intimate, that's only relevant in your life. Because God wants to reveal himself. Let's just take a few moments to wait. loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Just feel God is saying that some people here that feel that they've let God down. And the Father wants you to know that he loves you despite your failures. It's not about what you've done. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ. You haven't failed him. He has lifted you into the courts of the Lord. God has blessed you with his righteousness. See yourself as righteous. It's not by the things you've done, but about the glorious work of salvation that Jesus has done. So if you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling condemned or unworthy, in any way, Lay that aside. That comes from the enemy. God is saying, I'm wooing you. I'm courting you. And I'm trying to reveal that you are my cherished sons and daughters. You are 
the redeemed of the Lord. I have bought you with my own blood, and I have declared you righteous. You are pure. You are righteous. You are holy. You are undefiled. You are the perfection of Christ. That's your life. Because it's not by your works, but by his. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you that, Lord, you're trying to court us. You're trying to woo us. You're trying to draw us into a deep, personal, intimate relationship that's far greater and far more wonderful than we've ever even perceived. Lord, take us deeper. Take us deeper individually. Take us deeper as a fellowship into the things of God. May we get to know you like we've never known you before. Reveal yourself to us. Lord, we surrender. We say, come, have your way in our, in our life. Lord, bless us. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Um, it was a narrow light coming down, very soft light, seemed to be pulsing. And coming down, but it wasn't white. And you mentioned individually, I got the impression that was that light from God individually for each person is a narrow one and it pulsed and down, getting wider, but staying narrow. Praise God. Praise God. God is light, isn't he? God is light. Hallelujah. So he wants to bless us. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I followed her advice and started to 